Hi, I'm Jen Bonet, Executive Director of the Creative Coast. The Creative Coast is a nonprofit organization that was founded uh, over 20 years ago to help entrepreneurs and creatives and technologists succeed in the Savannah region. So Entrepreneurs Night is really a live podcast where we interview a successful entrepreneur from the Savannah region. Our goal is to document and share the origin stories of the companies that are getting things done here in the Savannah region. Good evening, this is Jen Bonet, Creative Coast, and tonight is Entrepreneur's Night. And uh, tonight we're thrilled to have with us Will Dent of uh, Dently Apps and Arrow Parts Now. So Will, uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about your background, and tell us how you got into tech, so to say, so to speak. So um, I, my background is I've, I've spent uh, seven years in the Army, 14 years at Gulfstream, six years out uh, with my own company doing software development, and most recently in the past three years, spending most of my time with AeroParts now. Um, and from how did I get into tech uh, as a Commodore 64 and uh, running my own bulletin board system uh, back in the day at 12 years of age uh, with multiple floppy. And I said floppy to my uh, 11 year old son. And he's, he's like, what, what, what was that? And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't even have a floppy to show him. Uh, but that was the start A Commodore 64 uh, just been uh, hacking away uh, at that uh, and all the way until you know today and continue to to code periodically because it is it is a lot of fun uh, building stuff. Um, That's really cool. I started on a TRS eighty. Oh yeah, I remember that. Radio Shack TRS eighties. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, yeah, I so, that. <laughs> yeah, so fun stuff. Um, and how'd you end up in Savannah? Are you Savannah native, or how'd you get here? So uh, Uncle Sam misplaced me, and, and I'm glad. It's, it's a great area. Um, you know, the funny thing is I, I went into the Army, and that was my step into aviation. So I'd always been playing around with the computer. I uh, decided I was going to uh, go to the Army first, uh, went out to Hawaii, spent, spent some time out there. Um, and the Army transferred me to Hunter, and I spent 18 months at Hunter, uh, and I got out of the Army and, and I got a job at Gulfstream as a uh, licensed mechanic for 18 months, uh, traveling around, fixing airplanes. And that was a lot of fun. 18 months is the minimum time that you could have to be in a position before Gulfstream will let you move somewhere else. Uh, I put together a portfolio of all the websites that I had built to date, had already built some e-commerce sites and built uh, and again, this is 97. So things were still a little bit in their emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> so, early. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, and, and I had a hobby of, uh, I, I like to, uh, to actually go out and, and dance like ballroom dancing and swing dancing and stuff like that. And I met a shoe vendor that sells shoes on the road. And that was the first e-commerce website I built. And I found myself at a hotel for three days straight, taking pictures of a model standing up on hotel furniture, uh, with lights, taking pictures of hundreds of shoes to build the, my first e-commerce site. Um, and so from that sort of body of work, I put together a portfolio and, and got a job in the marketing department at Gulfstream as the web producer. And uh, I put together a business plan to create the interactive marketing department. And that sort of grew into 
why don't you take the CRM department? Um, you know, why don't you take direct marketing? You know what would make sense? Uh, why don't you take over the CRM group as well? And so it was really just, it was really just looking at sort of opportunities to integrate uh, things throughout the enterprise at Gulfstream. And timing's right because, you know, aviation is, is so high tech when it's the airplane, except the business systems stay behind, the website stays behind, they're not as up to date. Uh, so really it was just an opportunity to look in any other industry and say, wow, they're, they're doing all these things. How can I help Gulfstream propel themselves forward? Uh, so it was really a great 12 and a half years that I spent in the marketing department in charge of basically anything web or customer facing that was digital uh, and it, you know, invaluable experience and relationships out of that uh, to the point that uh, in my own company, Dentley, we, uh, we did some work for them as well. Uh, so and that was, uh, to me, a good testament that we're doing the right things and have the right relationships. Uh, and, and that's you know, probably a big life lesson is uh, the world is small. So make sure you do the best job you can for, for anyone uh, that you're doing work for, because you, you never know who's going to be your boss and you never know who you're going to be pitching and asking uh, to uh, do business with. Yeah, very cool. And then um, you launched Dentley. You grew it to a certain stage, but you built this relationship that has turned turned you your focus towards aero parts now. So talk about that that period. Yeah. So um, so one of the relationships that I built uh, at Gulfstream was with somebody that has his own software as a service company that uh, he ultimately sold, uh, but he provided software for for all of the maintenance tracking for Gulfstream's fleet. Um, and again, such a small world, he had a friend working uh, at a sister company of Aeroparts Now uh, that uh, basically said, hey, they, they're out trying to be a marketplace in this industry. Um, the owner would like some help. And, and so my, my friend got called in from his experience with a software as a service company. And he, he said, I, I have the right person to, to come in and help as well. The two of us Basically, we, we looked at Aeroparts now back in when it was trying to be a marketplace, trying to be the next Amazon. And, and from that, uh, we, you know, we went and visited and sat with the current customers. And one of the things, Jen, I, Jen that stuck out that you told me years ago was, you know, whenever you have an idea, uh, before you start coding, go and talk to 100 people and see if it's worth doing, because you might find at the end of that, it, it, it is, or it might evolve, which really, you already knew the answer to that. It's going to evolve into something a little different, uh, but I need to, to follow that path. So sort of in the spirit of what you said, we went and visited all these different customers. We even went to other people that we knew that would you know, like to sell parts on a marketplace and that use other marketplaces to sell aircraft parts. Uh, we traveled to several different parts of the country. And in that exercise, I, I put together what I thought was what Aeroparts now should do. And it really is based off of me being in the industry, walking around trade shows and saying, this could be done a lot better the way we sell aircraft parts. Um, and, and the way we sell aircraft parts in the, in the world is, uh, is closer to a used car sales business than it is the sophisticated jets and technology that are, that, that these parts are being put on as far as the, the aircraft. Um, and, and with that, the owner of the company, the investor of the company said, well, that sounds interesting. Well, would you like to do that? And, and so we, we basically mothballed that entire Aeroparts Now company. 
and we started it over. Um, so it truly, we, we basically, you know, we pivoted, but, but uh, the pivot was just, we, we stopped, we rewrote all the software, completely different business model, completely different software. Um, and, and, you know, fast forward to now, <clears throat> I'm, you know, an owner and part of the company. And I, I know you, you, the investor behind it is, is from oil and gas and doesn't have a lot of experience in aerospace, but they're, they're very, uh, very supportive of this business. Um, and it's been, it's been good uh, in the entryway. So it's a little bit of a unique entryway in the sense of how, I've, uh, how we did this. Uh, I've, I've done the other out where I've had a business idea and tried to get money and, and get investors and, and had some success with that and then some failures and some lessons learned. Uh, so this was a little bit of an interesting thing. So it sort of goes back to just make sure uh, you do a good job for the people that you're working with because it's a small world um, that we're in. Um, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about the model and, and how it went from kind of a trying yeah. to build an, you know, I don't know, Amazon for auto parts to where you ended up today. So, um, <clears throat> and how our, you make money, right? I think yeah, how do you make money? So make money. we're a software as a service that charges subscription fees uh, is the starting point for us. Um, but I'll, where our industry is, 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 is we're back where Amazon was a bookseller and then they decided to start selling some other things. And then uh, small businesses said, wow, I, I need to get, get in on this and put my stuff out there because you know, Amazon's gonna take my business. Um, and ultimately now you, you have, an you know, we all place orders on Amazon and stuff is coming from all these different suppliers. And some of them are small to medium businesses some of them have retail storefronts and they have inventory and they have their systems with, with uh, their inventory. At some when, when Amazon started out early, you're uploading photographs, you're typing out descriptions. And so it's a very manual and laborious process. It, you could not keep up with orders coming in with Amazon now in that process. I mean, you could not upload manual photographs individually and typing descriptions and, and adjusting inventory on Amazon's website, and you would get kicked off the site because you would sell probably inventory that you didn't have. Um, our entire industry right now, the inventory sits in these systems that are very antiquated. Uh, they're old, and, and, and the marketplaces that we have in this industry do not have pictures, do not have prices on parts. It, it's, it's really just like a listing service of part numbers. And here is somebody that potentially sells it. And, and one of the things back when I worked for that, that aerospace manufacturer, every morning they look at the airplanes that are AOG aircraft on ground. And more than once, Gulfstream will ship a part halfway around the world to get an airplane up and running. A week later, they'll find out that that very part is sitting on that airfield when that airplane was there. Uh, it's just someone needed to walk into one of the hangars or a maintenance shop uh, to find it. And, and a lot of times it's, it's simply because the inventory is inside of systems that don't have any awareness outside of their, their, you know, their network or their environment. Um, and it's because the, the, the vast majority of ERP systems, the inventory management systems sit on these uh, systems that are not built for the web, not built to collaborate. And the companies that run them are very complacent and, and not wanting to do anything about it. So we built essentially the part that our industry doesn't have, which is to take all that inventory that's locked up in these systems 
and enable it so it can be synchronized to all the different marketplaces. We set up a way for the imagery. And, and the other thing for our industry is traceability. As is, is you can imagine with an airplane, <laughs> you want to know the source of your part, how it was built. Um, and a lot of the parts that are on airplanes, they're used parts that are going on the aircraft. So you might have a, a set of landing gear that one day is on one airplane and then five years later is on a different airplane because it, they pull them off after so many hours or landings and they refurbish them or overhaul them and then put them back on the next airplane. Uh, so all that information has to be tracked and traced and you won't buy these parts unless you have access to that information. So that's why it's more like used car sales business right now where somebody sends in a request and they wait for responses and they, you know, they, they, they put a, a quote together and then brokers will get involved. There, there's a lot of noise, a lot of inefficiencies in our industry. And so we, we've created a way for making for that, for streamlining that whole process and automating it, looking, looking at um, the entire supply chain and, and enabling it. Um, and we're more like a Shopify. So we provide a branded storefront as well. Um, it's, you know, as one of the things I was thinking about is our first customer that we've had for a year has 25,000 parts uh, products uh, or part numbers that they have an in inventory and they've been using our system to quote and send quotes out to their customers and get responses. Um, our system is all web-based and up until a year, a year and a half ago, they would type in the information in the ERP system, download a PDF, attach it to the email, send the email and just wait to see if something happens. With our system, we can read an email that comes in or we can re read a request that comes in from any of these marketplaces, look in their inventory, basically draft the quote and even if they want, it'll automatically send out that quote to the customer. And it's all web-based. It's, it's more like a CRM where we track the entire process. Nobody else has that in the industry where uh, you can track the entire process from start to finish. And, and you can build on that to, to do marketing campaigns, lifecycle campaigns, any of these sort of things. Um, and, and then a year and a half later, that customer in the marketing department, they said to us, they said, I caught wind that they're trying to build a Shopify website with those 24,000 parts and they're hiring interns to upload it and they're going to do all this. <laughs> I said, Marcus, you just need to go into our, our settings in the system and flip the switch and set up the point the website address. You already have all this. And so we had them launched in two weeks and, and that was <laughs> That was last week when we when we launched them, and and the thing is, they were sitting on it the whole time. But the, the point of the story is, they our industry is is so. This is how we've always done it. Yeah. And so we've 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 created essentially a way to get them, you know, enabled to do e-commerce because uh, you know there's, I think there's like eighty five billion dollars worth of transactions a year in our industry, um, and I'm sure it's no one knows for sure, but I'm sure it's less than. 2% are actually transacted online, that everything's done over email or phone. Uh, I don't think fax is too big anymore, uh, but, but yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. I, uh, I know a little bit about it because I dated a, <laughs> a broker for a little while. Ah. Yeah, so I know a little bit about the industry. Um, so let me get techie for a second. What would you build the platform on? Uh, Amazon Web Services, and we're using... Uh, all serverless uh, function as a service. So if, if you, you know, sure. Google has that, Azure has that, and Amazon has their version, Lambdas. 
and and we're using a, a, a NoSQL. We're using DynamoDB for for the uh, for most of the data. All the search is done in Elasticsearch, uh, which of course it, I think it's going to have a different name now with with the uh, there's a there's a fork in the road <laughs> with Elasticsearch and licensing, and and uh, the front end is is built in modern ways uh, using uh, React and React Native and some native stuff as well. Um, we built integrations for the two predominant ERP systems, which those are traditional uh, client server applications, uh, the Windows FAT client, and then Oracle database in the background. So we built uh, agents that install in our customer's environment and, and basically we modernize the uh, ERPs with a RESTful API. Uh, that our system can talk to their ERP system. It, it's amazing. Like these systems don't have RESTful APIs. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the old ones don't. Um, that was one of the big issues when I was in the healthcare industry is a lot of the big old systems that ran on things like AS400, you just, there was no APIs. You couldn't get the data out. Yeah. So, All right. So tell us about like kind of where you're at. Like how many employees do you have? How many customers do you have? Um, um. I, was, I had to write down the, the counts because I, I, we're growing. So we have six full-time employees. We have two open positions on our website, just a FY. <laughs> and, We've got a job board. Okay. All right. I will get out there with that. Um, and um, we have six contractors uh, that we're using. Uh, some are local uh, here in Savannah uh, that we've used uh, from time to time. Uh, and then we have... Uh, some we have Minneapolis, uh, Texas, and a couple of different areas. So we're all remote now. We used to have an office in uh, downtown Savannah for a little over a year. Uh, when COVID hit, uh, we were on a month to month, and so we just decided to go ahead and, and close up the office and go home. And we've been home ever since. Um, so yeah. And then as far as customers, uh, we have a little over twenty customers now. And at the end of last year, we had less than ten. Excellent. So we're feeling good going into this year and. You know, we're about a month and a half out to be able to announce uh, a customer that we've had for a month and a half. That we, we have 90 days with them, and then we get to talk about uh, what we're doing with them. But I'm excited about that group because they touch about 1,200 aircraft owners in the world uh, that, that are their customers, and they're, they have a, a nice big footprint. And um, we're now working on setting them up for e-commerce as well. Uh, so that, that one I'm excited to talk about. And um, and we have a good mix. We have three in Europe, uh, Ireland, and a couple in the UK. Uh, we, we just signed on a company that does common hardware, and they're in seven continents, and they're owned by a much larger supply chain uh, group that goes beyond just aerospace. Um, and I mean, our software really could work for any complex machinery. Uh, I mean, right now, our focus is aerospace, uh, but uh, yeah, and, and the rest are in, in the U.S., um, in, in uh, Canada. Exciting, exciting. Um, what's your, so we talked, We your investor was really kind of your first customer, right? Yes. So, so because of that, talk a little bit about like what, what it's like to onboard a client now. Do you have to do a pilot or trials or? So with the more complex customers, uh, because you know, we have a mix, we have small businesses that are kind of startup-ish uh, where they're, uh, you know, honestly, people that have lost, we have what customer in the UK, it's a group of people that, um, I, you know, I, I believe some have lost their jobs due to COVID. 
and they pivoted and, and started their own businesses uh, and they use us standalone. And then we have customers that have really you know, large footprints with IT departments and we tend to do pilots with them. Um, sometimes we'll do a, a, a they're, they're as, as sophisticated as having a multiple environments. They have a sandbox environment themselves and so we we'll do a pilot on their sandbox environment or, the, or their staging environment and then move uh, to the production environment with them. So um, it's kind of the right tool for the job in, in that sense. But our onboarding process going into this year and, and, and literally in the past 30 days, we've, we've gone through and, and, and redone that, um, put some more measurements. We've put templates together based off of the customer type with, with the task already predefined and and dashboards that go out once a week to all those customers as we're onboarding them with sort of the stoplight charts. Uh, so um, that that part we're trying to get faster on because it is it is slower um, because you're dealing with people inside of organizations and they're not always prioritizing you uh, to get information and things set up in a timely manner. Yeah. Um, so you, we know you have an investor for this firm. You you talked earlier about that there was different ideas that you pursued that sometimes you tried to raise money, sometimes you didn't. So talk about that um, specifically having an investor in this company and, and how has that been uh, beneficial to your growth? Yeah, he, he has uh, continued to, uh, to invest in, in us, uh, in people, in helping us uh, get talent. Uh, I mean, it's, we just hired a CEO uh, in January, and we brought in somebody from uh, what was formerly a Boeing company. Boeing had just sold that company in November uh, to one of our competitors. And, and that's the thing I should say is we are David amongst a lot of Goliath, uh, Goliaths that are out there. Um, and I know we're doing something right because the Goliaths are very much paying attention to us. Um, and you know we're at a point now that we, we know all the we have personal relationships, uh, not necessarily because they want to, but because we have mutual customers uh, with, with these Goliaths out there. Uh, and our investor sees that and recognizes it and uh, continues to, uh, to help push us on that. Uh, the other thing is, is, I should say, we brought in a board of advisors at the end of last year. Uh, that's been really instrumental. Uh, people that have owned companies that are currently our customers and been in those roles before as decision makers, bringing in software like us um, and running these, uh, these, these part suppliers and maintenance repair uh, shops as well. And so that, that part has been very instrumental and it's actually, it's helped uh, drive more investments uh, in, into uh, the business. Um, so yeah, he's, he's invested a, a significant amount in us in the past several years. Um, and so it's, uh, it's exciting. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit towards um, success and things like that. When did you know that this, this particular company and idea was going to work? You know, uh, did you kind of feel it all along or are you still playing with like, I don't, you know, especially like in an era of COVID with what happened to the airline industry, like, yeah, it'd be a little scary. Yeah, and, uh, and it was last year uh, when it hit. Um, <laughs> it was very scary. Um, but what we, we, so we took on our first customer in January of last year. And after about 30, 45 days, 
of that customer using the application and you see the hundreds of thousands of dollars of quotes going through your system um, and parts and, and just the transactions and things happening, that part was like, we're on to something. This, this is going to work, um, you know, in, but, but almost as you feel that momentum and you feel that, um, that working, and I'm sure my story is unique in the sense of a startup, but maybe not. I'm sure there's several of them out there, of course, that overlapped with COVID. But when COVID hit, um, yeah, we, we pumped the brakes. We hunkered down. Uh, we went to, uh, you know, to keeping our cash flow down to a very minimum. Uh, to sort of watch what was happening, but what we what we saw was in the private uh, jet and pri- biz jet world, things were picking up a lot sooner, uh, especially in Asia. And as um, as uh, more and more uh, people were getting out on their jets, and and I'm sure uh, they're uh, like 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 me, except I'm in my car driving somewhere, <laughs> wanting to go to places to get outdoors and and you know not be cooked up in the house. Uh, so. So that helped us um, and that helped sort of uh, reinforce that there's still going to be a market and, and yeah, the, the, the BizJet market has really helped us. Uh, so we, we started picking up customers around that area. Um, but the other thing that's happened is there's been a lot of teardown of aircraft. So there, most of the major airlines have a retirement cycle. And so they, they, they ramped those up and, and retired aircraft sooner. Uh, and started tearing them down. And so our software helps support the, the sort of notion of tearing down airplanes and putting parts on the shelves. And so we have some capabilities around accelerating that process with our mobile app. And so that's that's been helpful too. Uh, so we're, we're positioned well. And then as business was coming back online, we heard and saw, the, I'm sure like a lot of businesses where they were like, it's really hard to log into the VPN, the ERP system when you're not a remote worker and none of these companies had the infrastructure to support it. Uh, so that was sort of a real reality check for them. And even when they were able to get those things set up because the way these systems are built, the experience was not very good. Uh, and so we've had a lot of customers that uh, have joined us because of some of those reasons, because we have a web-based system, because we have a mobile app and you don't stop uh, and have to open up a VPN and do all those sort of things to, to do business. That's so. exciting, actually. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, well, I feel like Savannah and the tech scene in Savannah is going to benefit from COVID as well. As more people got remote, remote as Kate and I like to call it, hashtag to Savannah, right? yeah. why wouldn't you want to be in Savannah? If you can work okay. anywhere, why would you not want to be here? So, um what has your biggest challenge been in, in growing aero parts now? The time it takes to, uh, to sell the product. Um, it, it take, it, it, I had some assumptions that it would go a lot quicker and the sales uh, cycle tends to be a lot longer than we want. Um, you know, you could, and I really think it's more related to the industry and, and the mindset and, and where the industry is and let's just say it's a digital transformation cycle. Um, the good news is it, it's a year ago or, or even two years ago, because we exhibited almost two, two in two, April, 2019, we exhibited uh, in Atlanta at Abwick MRO. And we really didn't have a whole lot at that point. We had only been developing for about three months and 
we just wanted to test the waters uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was really good. I mean, we had a really favorable response. We knew we were on the right track, but again, that sales cycle took a long time, but, but two years ago compared to now, it's, it's, it's gotten a lot faster um, as, and I think it's a combination of we're getting better at our sales process, but the industry is, it has more of an appetite for change and for getting, getting better and more efficient. Um, and we've also done some things to, to make it a lot easier to, to integrate with legacy ERP systems. Um, and, and I think that's, that's helpful when we make it easy, the easy button, easy button. <laughs> as, as best we can. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's the end game? What does success look like for AeroParts now? To have the majority of the industry using us uh, as their sort of engine for commerce. Uh, we want to be the Shopify of, uh, of, of this industry. Um, you know, Shopify's done really well in the retail space and they have a B2B uh, segment, but aviation is unique. There's, there's things that are just that don't relate to uh, the size and color and, and those sort of variants that you see in traditional e-commerce systems. And so we, we truly want to be, we want to push our industry into that era. Very cool. Now you had mentioned earlier though, that you felt like the solution could work for other assets beyond AeroParts. So is the vision beyond AeroParts or? At, at this very moment, it's not. We're, we're, <laughs> we're dead set focused on this industry and, and doing it really well. Um, but, uh, and we think there's just, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, we just got back from our first trade show since COVID uh, and it was in Orlando. Uh, it was smaller than usual, but the activity around our, our uh, booth, it was just, it was completely saturated the entire time. So, uh, which was great. Um, I mean, I, the day went by really quick and you're worn out and couldn't, you lost your voice and there was six of us there in the booth. Uh, so, and even then it was just, didn't feel like we had enough people at times to uh, talk to everybody. And uh, so, so yeah, we're excited about that. And there seems to be a lot of energy uh, around, um, around having their own web presence out there. I know it sounds, it sounds a little weird to say, you know, having a web presence in this time of day, but truly our industry, you, you can't Google a part number and find it. It, it it's just, and yet alone find it and find a picture and know that inventory is in there. Um, some, some big names have made some attempts to, to move this forward. Uh, but the problem is it would be like having um, your competition selling your parts um, if you wanted to join their website and put your parts on their website. Um, so, um, but yeah, we, and, and one thing I wanted to um, mention was, um, Oh, losing my train of thought here, but yeah, you asked me what uh, success looks like. That's right. Yeah. 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 So what about for you personally? You know, getting up and enjoying what I do, working with the, with people that I enjoy working with and customers that, that enjoy working with you. um, That's that to me is, is what it's about. Um, It's, it's exciting when, customers are, and it, we were on a, a call with a customer and, and he's like, all right, I know it's like a candy shop, but could, you know, could you also add this? You, Cause I think they said, well, you, you unleashed the monster here. You, you provided this capability and now it's only pushing me, wanting me to push for even more. 
And so that's great when you have customers sort of in that mindset uh, with you. They don't feel like they're losing something. They're just like, oh, this is great. Can I also have this? Can I have this? And so um, it's a good feeling. It's great. Um, but it also is, a, it is, it is challenging, too, to manage those customers uh, because they, you can get overwhelmed uh, by all the sort of requests that they want. Um, but, yeah, yeah. That, that part is great. Um, I enjoy that a lot. So. Um, do you have a customer advisory board or just that's just your regular advisory board? Um, we don't officially have one. We're, we're working on it. Um, so we've reached out this year to a couple customers and, and they've expressed interest. Um, so our goal is to do that. I'm, I'm trying to hire two more people. <laughs> one of them is in customer success and the other one is in um, as a quality assurance uh, engineer. Uh, so, uh, you know, like many startups, we wear a lot of hats. And so the team that's really good at onboarding and helping train customers also uh, throw on their, their quality hats and do testing when we do releases as well. So I'm, I, I want to get that out of their hands and bring in somebody to help uh, do some automation on that for regression testing. And then that way we can continue to grow that team and adding another uh, person with that team to help with the onboarding process and, and then customer support as well. Um, because that's, that's, I mean, it's truly where we are is we, we have a good piece of software. Uh, there's a roadmap with a lot of features that we want to add to it. Uh, but foundationally, we, we have a product that provides value that's superior to what uh, people have right now with regard to tools and software. Um, so now we need to figure out how to get them into our system as quick as possible uh, and have a great experience and maintain that experience. Um, so, yeah. Love that. Love that. Um, we have a lot of folks that tune in for this podcast um, that are, I'll say, aspiring entrepreneurs. So they're not quite at this stage yet. We're hoping to inspire them to take the leap. Any tips, tricks, advice for those 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 about to take the leap? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I hate to be a broken record, but you know, make sure uh, what you want to do uh, to to um, to bring to life or build, or uh, you know, make sure there's a market out there for it. Um, I mean, it's so important. Uh, put your ego aside. And, and be humble and put it in front of people in, in, in a format that, in other words, don't go off and build it. <laughs> get, get it, get in front of people, uh, refine your pitch uh, because your pitch is also your product validation. Even if it's just sitting in the lobby, talking to somebody or having a casual conversation in an elevator. Um, I, I think that's really invaluable stuff to do that as a starting point. Uh, because you're going to learn from that whole process and you're going to take those things and be able to apply it to ultimately what you would build uh, with a, with a lot more confidence that you're building something that there's a market for. Um, so I, I think that's really important because I, I will say I, I made that mistake building things too soon, um, spending a lot of time on it, um, hanging on to it too long and should have, should have said. That's a hard one, isn't it? That's a hard one to learn. Right. And the only, you know, I, we don't, the thing, the, the thing that is the same with everyone is time. And, and um, when you're doing, in, in my case, service work, you're trading, trading time for money. Um, and so it's just really important to, uh, to validate things um, in a way that you don't spend years developing it without a market. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. 
Um, at this point, I'm going to open it up to, uh, we have a couple other viewers online, see if, if either Kate or Lou has any questions. And if not, uh, we'll wrap. Uh, um, uh, thanks, thanks, Will and, and Jen. I have, a, I have a couple of generic questions. So, uh, uh, you know, of course, we're average person. We all have some level of familiarity with the uh, auto parts system, right? At least we're seeing the point of sale system in the in the parts store. Um, how does how does it compare? How do you compare the uh, aerospace parts with the uh, auto parts system? The other question is, you know, might be somewhat related. Is the uh, I know in the uh, both in um, aerospace and automotive industry, they use they have big um, design, uh, you know, manufacturing service system. That's you know everything living the CATIA system. Mm -hmm. they, you know the models and all that already specs already exist in, in the in that system. So um, I imagine you know you you have some level of interaction with those systems. But on the other hand, if you're thinking of a integration there might be a much greater barrier right or just it's not practical i i don't i i guess this may be related to jen's broader vision pro, uh, questions yeah so the um just you know i have some experience with katia and you know the the, the reality is the manufacturers um they there's not a lot of, and I should back up and say we're focused on the aftermarket for aviation versus uh, you know new new uh, airplanes, and so much of the Katia side of things uh, is dealing with the manufacturing side of the aircraft, uh, and of course it goes out to the parts as well. But um, in just using any of those aircraft manufacturers, they tend to not share any of that data um, like that. Uh, so so really, what you're relegated with is is part numbers. Uh, based off of, uh, you know, IPCs, just sort of PDF manuals, uh, Excel documents, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, that, that just tends to be uh, how, how the industry works. Uh, it, it is quite amazing because you would, again, think that there's just a body of data out there that you could tap into, uh, but it's, it's, it's not readily available um, is probably the best way to put it. Uh, and there's not a lot of motivation necessarily to sort of open up that data uh, for others to, to use. Uh, and some of it is really competitive reasons uh, right. as well. Yeah. And then you asked the question, how's it compared to the automotive stuff? I don't know. I, my, I've seen AutoZone. I've walked around and, and uh, haven't bought anything recently, battery, but um, they tend to look like uh, quite old systems in there that they're typing in uh, part numbers and, and things and looking for, for things. I hear a lot of keyboard clicks. It reminds me sometimes of when you used to book airline tickets and, and they would type what would sound like a paragraph uh, to, to book a ticket sometimes. Um, and, you know, as, as far as uh, aviation goes, there are, I think Jim was alluding to AS400 systems that are still in play, um, and, but there are, uh, much of the systems are sort of uh, Windows uh, clients that have been, been installed, uh, sort of, you know, nothing is, is cloud-based for the most part. Uh, the vast majority of the industry is, uh, using Windows clients and uh, databases that are central. Well, thanks. Very cool. I have a quick question. Um, so you're in the military, right? 
And um, I just am curious, were there any things unique to being in the military that taught you uh, how to be an entrepreneur, something that you learned that kind of was like, gosh, I carried this over into my new journey as an entrepreneur? I, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I think a level of discipline and, and work ethic, um, you know, following through and getting things done, uh, communication skills. Um, I think all those things helped because uh, in the military, <laughs> they definitely have a way of uh, enforcing those things if you're not doing it right, uh, that you don't get in the civilian world. Um, so it's, uh, those things have been very helpful. Uh, you know, in, because I was in aviation and military, there's definitely some elements in there that's very specific to aviation that were, I could carry over. Um, and, and it's funny, I haven't done a lot of defense stuff since leaving the army, but now we're starting to work with, uh, companies that have defense contracts that sell to military. Uh, and so that's, that's come in handy, uh, to, to have those experiences as well, uh, and understanding enough of that supply chain, um, the, the entire uh, industry, defense industry uses an NSN number uh, for all the national stock number for all the parts that are in sort of the government systems. And so even in our system, we have an NSN number uh, that relates to their, the manufacturer's part number as well. So, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think the military's helped me out tremendously um, with that. So, and, you know, the GI Bill, I was able to finish college uh, using the GI Bill as well. So. I guess one, one other thought that I'd like to uh, ask before we, we call it a night is um, B2B marketing, right? So we got Kate online. She's our director of communications, social media guru, email list, all that sort of stuff. What, what's working for you right now in a, in a complex old school B2B way? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is, is, is definitely become uh... Uh, a favorite, it seems, in this industry. Like I, I did not use LinkedIn very much until uh, until we got into this world. Uh, but it's it's interesting. Uh, we we try to do a lot of inbound stuff where we're driving people to our website and get them to sign up uh, for newsletters, uh, send out emails, and then a lot of trade uh, organizations. So we we were, were members of uh, user groups for the ERP systems. Um, and we participate in the, those shows and participate in online forums. Um, those, those are really good uh, lead gens as well uh, because those user groups, somebody will say, I have a problem. Can somebody help me out with it? And, and not that you want to come in and, and hard sell them, but a lot of times those problems we've already solved. And so you, you lend a hand on what the problem is. And of course they get intrigued. Well, what's error parts now? And you say, well, you know, we've, we've built all these integrations. We know that ERP software really well. If you're trying to do all that, we've, we've already built that. And here's the cost per month. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's a no brainer. Uh, so, so that tends to be a really good venue for us. Um, but it's, it's, it is very relational and, and business business. And you have to spend time developing those relationships and, um, and, and referral business is, is invaluable as well in, in B2B uh, for us as well. So, um, yeah. Awesome. But I was just curious about that because you know, social media is all the rage. I'm like, well, it doesn't work for everything. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we're, we have 
we, we have a good rhythm. We get a lot of stuff out there. People compliment us on all of our social media, but it is minuscule, the stuff that we get off of that direct stuff. But I will say when we're having all those conversations uh, that I just described, we will hear, oh yeah, I'm seeing you guys out on social media all the time. So, you know, there is that branding effect. And I, I, do, think, yeah. I, I do think the consistency out there, even though you don't get direct benefit uh, and direct leads from it, um, I do think it's helping us in that regard. Um, so, okay, awesome. I'm going to call on you for one more tip or trick to the entrepreneurs that are listening. Sure. What do you think? One more, one more soundbite for them to take from you, your experience, and to as they go on their journey. Um, you know, I, I would say tap into uh, resources like the Creative Coast uh, because I. And, and uh, you know, I know, Jen, you've got a background with working with uh, ATDC as well. Um, those are just invaluable things uh, in our community. Uh, find a mentor if you can or two. Uh, having somebody that you can talk to uh, behind the scenes uh, when you have problems that pop up um, and give back uh, as well. So, uh, you know, pay it forward. I, I know it's a you know, cliche or hear it, but, you know, there's a lot to it. Uh, and when you when you do those things, uh, you your name gets out in a good way and, and hopefully people are helping you as well. Um, out of the blue, people call you up and say, you know, Hey, I, I, I saw you on LinkedIn and I saw that you're doing this and I have a friend that, and, and you're like, wow, I hadn't heard from you in years. I didn't even know you knew that I existed anymore. Um, so, so yeah, just being a good citizen and, and taking advantage of, of organizations like this as well, I think is, is really good. 